Good morning, everybody. Coming at you from Los Angeles, California. It is Jess McKay and Faye the Pup, and we are vegan, of course. Now, today, you're probably expecting to ski, see, uh, to ski, huh, to see Sky Jack Morgan. Uh, but Sky is on a trip across the country, and he almost bailed. Sky almost dropped the ball and didn't do his show for an entire week. But you know what? Us VFFs, we couldn't let that happen. So I decided to step in and I am going to be hosting the pre-shift for the entire week. And we've got some really exciting stuff going on. Uh, today, I'm going to be hosting solo. Sky's going to actually join me halfway through. So I'm really excited to see Sky. Tomorrow, we are having someone from Blatch's Barbecue come on, uh, which I don't know this person. So Sky met uh, a person who, who owns a vegan barbecue spot. And I'm really excited to hear all about that on uh, Tuesday. Or that that's Tuesday. So Wednesday, we were having Monica Kay from uh, Feather Phase Out. She's going to be joining us, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the issues in her campaign, her pressure campaign that she's been working on uh, to try and get feathers out of burlesque. Super exciting, uh, inspiring activist. Thursday's Thanksgiving. We're going to show some of our gratitude, and we're going to talk a bit about some of the controversy that surrounds this holiday and the meaning of this for different people. Uh, now, I hope you all can see me. Let me know in the chat if you can see me, if you can hear me, because honestly, this is my first time hosting this channel on my own. And it's entirely possible that I'm just talking into the void right now and nobody's hearing me because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, now, there's also a theme song that usually happens. I don't know how to make that happen. So maybe once Guy gets here, he can play our theme song. Uh, but for now, um, I'm going to sing it. Uh, this is a channel for vegans. That's how it goes. Uh, Friday. We are going to be having Scott from Comedy for the Animals, which is a wonderful organization based in Los Angeles, I believe. And uh, they do vegan-related comedy shows and comedy stuff. So I'm very excited for this week. Um, I've got some amazing news this week. We've had some wins in one of our pressure campaigns. Okay, so maybe you didn't know about this, but there is a uh, there's this this store, this shop, this online and, and brick and mortar shop. Hey, Fanulus. Hey, Mike. Hey, Antonio. I'm distracted, y'all. This is the thing. Uh, you're you're about to get a <laughs> a little glimpse into the brain of Jess right now because usually I'm here with Sky and he can keep me on track and we can keep each other on track. But me, I'm constantly distracted by everything. And there's a dog on my lap and there's a chat going on. So good luck in uh, following the thread of what I'm talking about. But I want to talk about a pressure campaign win. Uh, we had a uh, a big win. So this place called Sudi, which is a fashion brand, uh, they've been under a pressure campaign for a couple months. And uh, Hey, Sky, what's going on? They're based in Boston, and Fur Animal Defense League and Chainsaw Boston have been, um, you know, they've been mounting this campaign for a couple months now. They've been on social media saying, hey, please, you know, stop abusing animals. They've been showing up at the shop. Uh, there have been police involved. And finally, yesterday, the owner of Sudi made a statement saying that, you know what, Sudi's fur free and uh, very excited to... Uh, Anytime, anytime that happens, that's a big win. And it just goes to show the power of community and a sustained pressure campaign. Because this this group, Sudi, this, this fashion brand, they didn't want to change. They resisted this change. They made fun of us. They mocked us. And now they've changed. And so what we need to take from this is a... a it, it fills my sails and, and we're going to sail across the ocean of empathy and love. And we are going to make the world a better place. And 
you know what? There's going to be some growing pains sometimes in order to like the growing pains. I love this concept, right? So like you're a kid and someday you're going to be an adult. And between those two, there's, there's this idea of growing pains and it's both a physical and a mental thing. So I remember physically my legs growing as a kid and being like, Oh, this hurts so bad laying in bed and just being my legs hurt. Why do my legs hurt? And my, my dad would come in and just, oh, it's growing pains, you know? So in order to become an adult, sometimes there's going to be some growing pains. And I, I think that the people who run Sudi probably felt some of these growing pains because it's not comfortable having to deal with animal rights activists. That's, that's not our goal. Our goal isn't to make you comfortable. Our goal isn't to make you like us. Like that's something that a lot of people misunderstand uh, about animal rights activism. Like I do a lot of um, what I consider impactful activism. And it's online. Like I'm making comments online and a lot of people will come and say, you know, that's just armchair activism. You're not really doing anything. But honestly, my mind was changed online from seeing things that people were writing and things that people were sharing ideas. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm lazy. So I'm sitting here, blah, blah, blah. Like we live in a time where we can reach the entire world just through this wonderful thing called the internet. So we should be using this tool. We should be getting out there. We should be commenting. And these growing pains, they are going to continue to happen. Because the cool thing is, vegans, we already know that you don't like us. Like, carnists, he, he, of course you don't like vegans. I'm on Reddit all the time, and I get a comment uh, quite often. And the comment is, you're the exact type of vegan that give vegans a bad name. And, uh... You know, people say that, and and I understand where that comes from because when people feel like they're being judged, it makes them feel bad, and it's sort of a shoot the messenger sort of situation. So it's really interesting. But as vegans, we can't be afraid of that. We have to embrace the fact that sometimes they're going to not like us, and, and it's not about being liked. That's that's the that's the difficult part and the beautiful, liberating part of the whole thing. Because once you let go of that idea that people need to like you, then you're free. You can you can be yourself. You can um, you can follow your own heart. And and it's it's one of those things that you have to practice. You know, because if you've lived your whole life listening to what other people tell you to do, you know, you you go to church. You listen to what church tells you to do. You go to school. You listen to what church tells you to do, what school tells you to do. You listen to what your parents tell you to do. And you might not have been practicing uh, just coming up with your own ideas and, and confidently standing behind those ideas. We live in a society that's always telling us what to think, but we live in a sick society. So oftentimes we are going to have to be the ones to say, no, that's, that's not okay. I'm stepping aside. And it does take a, a fair amount of confidence in yourself to be able to do that. So I hope that communities like this can, uh, can make you feel a little bit less like you're in a vistopia. And I, I want to talk about this idea of a vistopia for a minute. Now, it's a portmanteau. Uh, Sky will like that word. But essentially what it means is we are vegan and living in a dystopia. And the idea is it's very difficult to be a vegan person in a non-vegan world. What we're we're vegan because it's it's a it's a stance that that is against animal exploitation, against animal abuse. Part of the reason I'm vegan is the whole reason I'm vegan. Listen, I see what's happening to all these individuals, these these personalities, these persons, um, and it's just on a mass scale. You know, even if it was just one individual being harmed and suffering, that is a tragedy. You know, we talked about Laika on the show, the dog that got sent off into space, tragedy. 
Now there's billions of, of other animals, other individuals who are having a similar experience. So as a vegan, you are acutely aware of this really terrible thing that is happening. Like there's no doubt about it. This is happening. There's, if we're, if we're utilitarians and we want to talk about like the, you know, amount of suffering that has occurred, it's quite possibly the greatest source of sentient beings suffering in, in the history of, of the world. It's, it's, it would be difficult for me to think of something that would be more than that. Um, so the Vistopia that we're living in, it's, it's easy to get lost. It's easy to feel alone. It's easy to feel like, oh, geez, I'm not the, I'm the weird one. You know, the, the, all these people are telling me they don't like me. All these people are telling me that I'm the, I'm the reason people hate vegans, you know? Oh no, you know, maybe I should start catering to them. Maybe I should start equivocating. And, you know, Sky does the word of the day. Our word of the day is equivocation. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna try to present here. So let me see. I'm going to try to present. I'm going to share my screen. Okay. This is probably not going to work because I don't know what I'm doing. But uh, let me see. Equivocation. Google search. Share. All right. Are you all seeing that right now? Are you seeing... I don't know if you're seeing this or not, but anyway, I'm going to talk about what equivocation means. So it's the use of ambiguous language to conceal the truth or to avoid committing oneself. Uh, I say this without equivocation. And essentially what this means is when you're equivocating, you're using euphemisms. You're not saying the plain truth of what's happening. Um, an example of equivocation when we're talking about animal rights could be uh, when someone says, where did I lose? I'm back. I'm back. It could be when someone says, um, you know, animals may be harmed in animal agriculture. That's an example of equivocation using the term may right there, because if we want to be honest, the, the, the truth of it is animals are harmed in animal agriculture. And uh, oftentimes you'll find the pick me vegans are equivocating. They're saying, well, animals might be harmed sometimes, you know, it's like, actually, it's an important point. Oh yeah, thanks, Gorik. It's an important point to understand that animals are harmed in animal agriculture, and that's not even a question. You know, it's that's just something that is happening. Um, it's it's really difficult to live in a world where people don't want to acknowledge the truth of what's happening, and to be the person who does acknowledge the truth of what's happening. And you know, people are going to call. Listen, I've been called all sorts of stuff. Yesterday, I um. I made a, I wasn't even making a comparison. People often, it's, it's a minefield when you start comparing historical injustices. But what I think is important when we're having these conversations is, uh, so yesterday I, I, I was on Reddit. Uh, hey, Sky, so the Devil's Porter welcomes, yeah, that's from uh, the Scottish play. Yeah. So yesterday I'm on Reddit and uh, someone is uh, talking about, they have a vegan uncle. And they're like, my vegan uncle is super cool because he has daughters and his daughters decided to start eating meat when they were teenagers. And my uncle was cool with that. So he's a cool vegan. And I, I said, you're right. Wow. That is a cool vegan uncle. He's totally cool with his daughters abusing animals. And uh, that's for me an unequivocal statement because that's actually what's happening. This, this vegan uncle. And then so uh, people come at me and they're like, you know, people can be vegan for a lot of different reasons. It's not just about, you know, being holier than thou and 
by the way. It's uh, so I had to. I often have to address this: that being vegan is a philosophical stance against animal exploitation. Maybe your uncle is plant-based because if he's plant-based, that would make perfect sense that he would be fine with his daughters financially contributing to animal abuse. And the the reality of the situation is, uh, parents do choose what their children do. Um, oftentimes, children aren't buying things for themselves. So, you know, I don't know what that means that he's supporting that his daughters eat meat. Is, is he buying meat for them at the store? Anyway, what I said is, uh, and, and basically everybody was applauding everybody on Reddit. You know, this wasn't a vegan group. So they were applauding this uncle. They were saying, hey, that's great that he's doing that. And I said, you know what, if this was the 1820s and uh, that uncle would have been an anti-slavery uncle whose daughters started owning slaves. And he also would have been cool with that. And all of you would have been applauding for that uncle just the same as you're doing now. Now, was I comparing the two things? Yes, I'm comparing two very bad systems. I'm comparing the idea that we have, have an abolitionist uncle who is suddenly okay with his daughters participating in what he is philosophically opposed to. That's a, that's a fair comparison. But of course, people lose their minds and they're saying, are you are you saying those two things are the same? Well, we don't have to listen to you anymore. Um, so maybe I shouldn't have <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that because honestly, it's difficult for me when I'm having conversations with carnies because oftentimes in my head, I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, this person is so stupid. And even people who are like smart, you know, like I have a friend who's a biologist and he's like super smart, but he's emotionally stupid because he doesn't have empathy for these animals. And I think that's a fair thing to say. It's like, well, listen, there's all different kinds of intelligence. And in this one, this maybe it's not a fair thing to say, but it's a fair thing for me to, to feel. <laughs> and we can say this in this safe space right now. Uh, it's, it's really difficult to, yeah, man, it's difficult. Cause like I, I'm writing a book right now actually. And the book is called fuck you for making me be vegan. And the whole idea is I don't want to be vegan. I want to live in a world where that's not even a distinction. Like imagine if we had to go around in our world today and, and we kind of still do, but imagine if we had to go around saying, you know, I'm, I'm a person who doesn't believe that we should, you know, beat children, you know, because, and we don't have to say that because that's such an obvious thing in our society. And that's not to say that children aren't abused and all this stuff, but the dominant social zeitgeist is, you know, we, we don't, we don't, abused. We don't beat children. It would be absurd if I had to come up with a name like uh, I'm a I'm a anti-children beater, whatever, vegan version of that. But the, um, the point is, I don't want to be vegan. I want to just live in a world that's already respecting others, you know? Uh, and, and when we talk about others, like a lot of the time, people don't want to acknowledge the fact that non-human animals are others. They're, they're, they don't want to acknowledge the fact that they're individuals. And, and I'm getting back and back to the idea that non-human animals are really persons. You know, you don't have to be a human being to be a person. What I think you have to be, well, you don't even have to be this, but a sure sign that you are dealing with a person is the fact that they have a personality. And I'd love to introduce you. Hey, Faye, come here, girl. Come here, girl. Now, this is a non-human animal right here with a personality. And because of that, I consider this one a person. She has thoughts. She has feelings. She has desires, needs. She's a little clown. She's hilarious. She, she, you know, she's excited to see us when we come home. There's things that she likes. There's things she doesn't like. And, and she's different. She's a unique individual. There's, there's no other dog like her in the whole world. And she's having an experience. Like it's not, 
she's different than a carrot. And it's really frustrating when you're talking to carnists because oftentimes they will, um, in their minds or in their arguments, they're putting these two things on an equal footing in our moral sphere of consideration. So it's like, how do you even start to, to talk to somebody about that? You know, so it's, it's oftentimes um, when I'm in a conversation and I see that someone is um, being disingenuous, which is another word that I, that I often use in talking about vegan activism. And what disingenuous means is when someone pretends to know less than they do. So I do think that most of the time when someone brings up, uh, you know, aren't you hurting a carrot by eating the carrot? I think that's a pretty disingenuous argument. And oftentimes it's just someone who's like, I read a quote yesterday by, um, by a person, what was his name? John Paul Sartre. And he was talking about anti-Semitism. and the, uh, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase here, but essentially what he was saying is the anti-Semites, the people who are anti-Semitic, they are, they're not, man, I'm going to just find this quote and read it to you uh, because it's really, it applies to, to anti-vegans too. And he's talking about anti-Semitic people in a very, um, hang on, I don't need to type. I can't type and talk at the same time. Uh, and uh, let me see if I can find this quote. Okay, so he wrote an essay, and there's there's a, sp a specific quote that is often. Um, and I should just have this right here. Okay. Okay, so he says, "Never believe that anti-Semites are completely unaware of the absurdity of their replies. They know that their remarks are frivolous." open to challenge, but they are amusing themselves for it's their adversary who's obliged to use words responsibly since he believes in words. The anti-Semites have the right to play. They even like to play with discourse for by giving ridiculous reasons, they discredit the seriousness of their interlocutors. There are yours. I don't know what that means. They delight in acting in bad faith since they seek not to persuade by sound argument, but to intimidate and disconcert. If you press them too closely, they will abruptly fall silent, loftily indicating by some phrase that the time for argument is past. And if anybody out here has had vegan arguments with people, you know that oftentimes the carnies exa exactly will act in that way. Now, let me see, because I made a vegan version of this using AI. Um, and let me, let me just read you this quote. So it says, never believe that those opposed to veganism are completely unaware of the absurdity of their arguments. They know that their reasons are superficial and open to challenge, but they are amusing themselves, for it is the vegan who is obliged to use words responsibly, since they believe in the power of discourse. Those opposed to veganism have the liberty to suggest. They even enjoy playing with dialogue, for by providing flimsy justifications, they aim to undermine the seriousness of their vegan counterparts. They relish acting in bad faith, as their goal is not to engage in rational debate, but to unsettle and perplex. If you confront their logic too directly, they will suddenly fall silent, arrogantly implying by some dismissive remark that the time for meaningful discussion has passed. Now, I think this also probably applies to a lot of um, people who act in bad faith when they're arguing against something that they know uh, on some level is wrong. You know, it's it's comforting to to see these words spoken even if it's about something else and oftentimes because veganism is a relatively new social movement we do look to to parallels in other social movements so you know i yeah that's essentially um it really bothers me that 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 they 
can come in and just throw a little like shit bomb in a conversation, you know, these carnists and they'll just say, you know, but bacon. And eventually, you know, it's, it's like, if you ever had someone point at you and be like, ha ha, you know, you care about something like, yeah, cope, cope and die. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I care about something. And if you want to have a conversation with me about it, I will respect you. And I, I will have a respectful conversation back and forth. But if you want to start just, you know, being a, being a little shit and being a troll, then you know what? That's okay. I have taken to, and I would, I would recommend a lot of other people do this. Um, you know, online, when you can find that someone is not really being honest with you in their conversation, just end the conversation. Just say, okay, animal abuser, and just label them for what they are. They're, anim they're an animal abuser, and they are arguing in, in favor of animal abuse. Just say, okay, animal abuser, and move on. And oftentimes, uh, you know, for me personally, that helps settle my heart a little bit because, uh, you know, exactly. All they have to do is confuse the issue. They don't have to argue the merits. And we've seen it again and again and again. But we need to be better than that. We need to keep them, you know, um, Sky actually told me this because somebody uh, somebody said something to me that was not cool. And Sky said, well, when someone when someone says something like that to you, the only correct response is F you. Like, F you. You're being racist. You're being sexist. So oftentimes when someone is being that way, you just have to call out that behavior and just be like, that's fine that you're saying that, but it says more about you than it does about me in this, in this situation. Um, so I, I have a whole list here. This is, do you want to see how my brain works? This is my brain and it's like just giant. I have no organization. So let's talk a little bit about a really important thing that I love. Okay. AI animal communication is so exciting for me. We're living in a time of great technological advancements. A lot of people are afraid of AI and I get that. Uh, you know, it's going to be taking jobs. Artists are upset. Musicians are getting upset. You know, it's, it's really going to change our society in many ways. But as an animal rights activist, it's one of the strongest tools that we have right now. We are able to create quality content at a much greater scale than ever before. I say I'm writing a book and I'm being honest about this. I'm not writing a book. I'm using chat GPT to help me formulate a book. And it's interesting. A lot of people like going back to Reddit yesterday, uh, someone, I was in a conversation with someone and, and we were talking and, uh, I said, animal abuse is just inherent in animal agriculture. And what that means inherent, it means that it's a, it's an essential aspect of it. You can't do animal agriculture without abusing an animal. That that's my point. That's what I've, you know, I strongly believe that be, based on, you know, years of, of being a vegan and understanding this issue. And this person, they took, they took issue with that. They said, well, you know, there's, there's ways that you can do it that aren't inherently abusive. I said, okay, okay, great. Please give me what some examples of what you consider to be non-abusive animal agriculture. And they came at me with, uh, they said backyard hens, which, you know, okay. And then they said, uh, beekeepers, beekeepers. So obviously, uh, as a vegan person, I'm sure you out, you know, that there's a lot of different harms that take place with backyard hens briefly. Uh, number one, what happens to the baby male chicks? Number two, simply living in the body of a modern egg laying hen is uncomfortable. Number three, they get distressed when you take their eggs. Number four, they're, you know, they're making 30 eggs a month when they should be making one egg a month. There's all sorts of problems that are just inherent in this. You know, you're, you are restricting their freedom. You're, you're restricting their, the freedom of movement and their autonomy. These are all things that I consider and that, uh, you know, by definition are an abuse towards another individual with bees. 
we have a lot of problems too. We have uh, a homogeneous pop population of bees and that, that leads to colony collapse disorder. We have uh, honeybees that are often an invasive species competing with local feral popula uh, populations of pollinators. Uh, we have bees that are killed and injured in the harvesting of the honey. We are taking their main food source in the first place. All of these are abuses, right? So, so. So these are in my head. I have these ideas, but what I use GPT for is to say, hey, can you explain to someone why backyard hens are, are inherently abusive? Make sure to include the ideas of ABCD, right? And I use GPT to make a, a nice little paragraph that someone can digest because frankly, it's not worth my time to craft a nice little paragraph for you. You know, I can share my ideas. So what I did, I did it with the bees. I did it with the, with the hens. And I, I went back to this person and I said, hey, I, I want to be upfront. I use GPT to formulate these uh, these paragraphs, but all the ideas are there, right? And what was their response? Oh, well, I'm not going to talk to you anymore because you're using chat GPT and chat GPT is wrong about stuff all the time anyway. And I'm like, oh, God, maybe I just shouldn't have told them that that's what I did. Uh, but what I look at chat GPT as is it's like a calculator for for ideas and words. Like just because you're using a calculator doesn't mean that the result that you get is wrong. Doesn't mean that the math is wrong. You know, especially, especially if you're a mathematician who understands math. Now, as a vegan, we are idea mathematicians, right? So if we throw an idea in there and chat GPT formulates it into a paragraph that then I can look at and be like, yep, that's, that's correct based on everything that I understand and have learned, then it's totally valid to throw that out there and let other people digest that information. You know, maybe you're good at ideas. Maybe you're not good at sharing those ideas with others. I love ChatGPT. I have an Instagram account, which you I would recommend you check out if you're on this channel. It's called AI for Animals. So AI, the number four animals on Instagram. And every day, almost every day, I use GPT and um, different image generation software to just try and advocate for animal rights. And it's really fun. With the way GPT works right now is you can actually make images in the chatbot. So I'll say, hey, hey, chatbot, I'm trying to do some vegan activism and I have an AI for animals Instagram page. Can you help me come up with a post for today? And it'll be like, yeah, here's five different ideas. And so I choose the idea I like and I say, OK, make a make an image, make an image of that idea. And then, you know, maybe I'll be like, uh, change this, change that, you know, a couple little adjustments. And then I take the image and I put it out there. So essentially this you know, I am, uh, I'm helping these ideas come out, but really it's something that's, uh, it is AI for the animals. It's not me. This is, this is the AI and this is their ideas and their arguments. And it's, man, it's really fun. I'm going to keep going. I was at work yesterday and someone said to me, oh, you know, they're doing Christmas stockings for us. And, uh, isn't that cool? I said, uh, yeah, this is great. And this person said, well, you know, but there's a couple Jewish people. So uh, I wonder what they're going to think about the Christmas stockings. You know, are they going to be offended? I don't know. And, and someone else was like, I don't think they'll care or whatever. And uh, me, I said, well, you know, as a vegan, I might be a little bit offended if uh, if the food inside the Christmas stocking is not vegan. And uh, my, my coworkers like, yeah, you get the look. And uh, and because that's happened. I'm sure if you if you work someplace, there's always holiday food, holiday parties. You know, you look you open your little mailbox at work and it's full of, you know, milk products and, and stuff that you are strongly morally opposed to. And it's just like as a vegan, you have to just be like. Okay. So then my coworker made a joke and she was like, well, yeah, it's as long as you're, uh, 
as long as your stocking's not made out of leather, Jess, I think you're going to be okay. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. And then my coworker said, they said, uh, you know, it's going to be fine. They'll probably just made it, be made out of felt, you know, and that's fine. And I was like, well, you know, felt is made out of wool, which is also something that vegans are opposed to. And none of my coworkers knew that. They were all like, what? What? Felt is wool? Huh? I thought it was synthetic. And yeah, there is synthetic felt, but that's, you know. You have to you have to go out and try to find the synthetic felt. Felt. If you go out and buy felt at a shop, nine times out of ten, that's gonna be uh, that's gonna be made from real wool. We do have fun felt, but essentially, uh, it was like these people have gone through their whole lives not knowing what this material is made from, and it's really important as a vegan to 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 hold the line on that stuff. And we have to educate people and. It's frustrating sometimes because sometimes it feels as a vegan that it's just a constant stream of saying the same crap over and over and over again to different people in different ways. And sometimes the same people come up and they're like, oh, yeah, can you remind me of that thing? And I'm like, well, just Google it. Look it up, you know. But also as a vegan, that's sort of what we signed up for. It's like, jeez, oh, oh, shit, I really have to evangelize right now. That's what you're making me do. That's why the title of my book is Fuck You for Making Me Be Vegan. I don't want to be that way. You should change. And then we know we don't have to even have the word vegan. Anyway, I'm going to keep going. I was really proud. I saw some, uh, a friend of mine, a friend of the show. Uh, they went to a football game and they dressed up as a monkey and they uh, made a big statement against Harvard because Harvard is currently testing on monkeys, which is terrible. And so we were really proud of our friend of the show for getting on and doing that and making it on the PETA social media. That is really awesome. Um, so with the AI animal communication that I started to talk about and got sidetracked, maybe I'll talk to Sky about this because Sky's going to be joining us pretty soon, folks, if he's still able to. Um, let me let me look at this. Michael Askew, that's great that you don't take things personally. I try not to either, but sometimes my heart breaks when other vegans get yelled at or something. Yeah, you know, of course it does. We, we're, we're just trying to do the, the right thing. Um, so with this AI animal communication, we're really starting to uh, understand that they are able to to have these ideas and communicate with us. And I think that there's going to come a time when the public consciousness shifts to a point where we all understand that these animals are individuals having experiences. And there's no longer going to be any sort of valid argument as to whether or not they're sentient or sapient or blah, 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 or deserve moral consideration. It's like, no, definitely we need to consider these animals. Uh, so Sky's joining us. I'm going to throw him on the show right now, add him to the stage. Everybody, huge round of applause for Mr. Sky. Wow, that was cool, man. I didn't realize I just popped on. I didn't know it was going to come on that fast. I was going to lurk for a while. I was going to wait until you were picking your nose and then pop that was, you on. <laughs> wait for the inevitable nose picking. That's exactly. <laughs> because you pick your nose so frequently, I would. I knew that I could wait and catch you picking your nose. That's perfect. Double barrel. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so I do yeah. think I, I was in the middle of a statement here about AI. I think there's going to be a reckoning where people uh, uh, there's a mass mass consciousness shift towards understanding that animals are moral agents worthy yeah. of respect. Right. And I think with that is going to come a moment where we are going to need to be apologized to. Does that make sense? You yeah. know, the, I mean, the carnies, they're going to have to apologize to the vegans. <laughs> Do you think they will? No. I mean, to me, I don't think the South has ever. I mean, they're still saying the South will rise again. They're not saying that like the South isn't apologizing for slavery, are they? They're like, 
Like they've never, they're still flying the stars and bars. These bastards. They're still, they're still like the South will run. It's about heritage, not hate. Yeah. And they're still using that type of language. They're not going to apologize. Yeah, Although, we'll you, be, we'll be owed one though. We would be owed an apology. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, they still haven't, people still talk about reparations, you know, why not have, they still haven't had reparations. They still haven't had anything like, I, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of easy to determine who who is the uh the who is um the scions of slavery right who who is the descendant of a slave and be able to say okay this person gets money you know what i mean i think that you could do that still i and i think the south should pay i think texas should pay i think louisiana should pay i think uh, you know what i mean that's yeah. who that should who should do the paying yeah florida should pay Anyway, but that's a whole other story. They're not going to apologize. Yeah, you know, and the thing is with that is there's so many historical injustices that we have, not we, but like collectively as a society have participated in and are continuing to participate in that it's like, okay, reparations, great. I love it. Well, Native Americans, are we going to do it for them too? You know what I mean? Why not? We should. We should. We should. Well, I think. I think. I think with Native Americans, <laughs> Native Americans was a genocide. So I, I think that like you could. I don't know why not. Yes, I think. I think that. I think everyone should um, have a minimum uh, universal base income anyway. So I think that maybe we can do just, just do that, and uh, and everyone could. Uh, AI can do all of our jobs because that's the other thing. Like oh, traveling with Joseph, like one of the first arguments we had was he's like, oh, we, we there was a little robot running food at a restaurant we went to and it was the first time I'd seen one like in action at a restaurant where like you're sitting down and the, the, the waiter comes over, takes your order, which is completely superfluous, unneeded piece of un, un, unneeded component of labor. And then all of a sudden a robot comes playing mariachi music and it's got big eyes and it goes, hello, pick up your fucking food. And like, <laughs> and then you just pick up your, but then a person like comes over to the robot and takes the food from the, like the, the two feet from the robot to your table and just puts it in front of the right person because the robot doesn't have arms to do it. Right. Anyway, Joseph is like uh, one person following another, following the, his job replacement. And I'm like, yeah, but so what? Those jobs suck. We don't need those jobs. Those jobs are not those, those jobs are, are, are beneath humanity. Like we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be having to do those jobs you know, running food for rich people. Like it's just, a, well, it's just a, dis hmm. we're living in a world where in order to like be a comfortable person, you need to pay rent. You need to pay your property tax. You need to yeah. pay your, oh your bills. You need to pay. Why are you different... giving me anxiety? Right. I'm giving a lot of people anxiety right now. I'm sure because what we need to acknowledge is that our current setup is for most people, a form of indentured servitude. Yes. And um, and I think future generations, if we have future generations, are going to look back and be like, whoa, that was a not cool way. Because what we're doing right now is we're creating artificial scarcity on this planet because we live in a, on a planet of abundance. Mm -hmm. Everybody could be better off than we are right now if it wasn't for the selfishness that comes with capitalism. And, you know, I grew the up of wealth. The hoarding of wealth. And you and I both grew up in a society that put capitalism up on this mantle. Like when I learned about the different economic and social systems, they were like, yeah, this is the right one. And all the other ones are stupid was essentially <laughs> what I got from my social studies teacher. I, I've always loved this idea, this worshiping of, of capitalism too, because like if, 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 the, if capitalism worked, 
which I'm not saying I'm not saying throw it all away. I'm, although I, I am kind of uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather have it be completely gone. But um, then we wouldn't need stimulus packages. We wouldn't need uh, we wouldn't need any kind of corporate bailouts. We wouldn't need any kind of uh, we wouldn't need the Fed controlling the interest rates. We wouldn't need any of these mechanisms that we put in place to correct the course of capitalism. Capitalism doesn't work because and it, and this it's proven every day the fact that like if we just leave it be it goes completely out of control and and throws everyone into poverty like that's happened mm -hmm. many times every time you deregulate too much capitalism just like throws huge portions of humanity into into abject poverty mm -hmm. into starvation like and and we what we what we do with capitalism is like make sure that it's just right so just the brown people are starving you know like that's kind of the yeah. way we're all the way we course correct capitalism for ourselves. It's disgusting. And I don't and we don't help the unhoused people because that is the that's the threat. You know, if you don't play the game, then you're going to end up like them is the threat. You mm -hmm. know, so if we helped them, then then the whole system would fall apart because people would just drop out. And it's like, you know, I'm not I'm not criticizing Joseph because that's a common uh that's a common thing to feel. And I've felt the same thing. And I do feel the same thing often like, Oh no, that person's job is going away. But what, what underpins that, that even way of thinking is the fact that we need to have jobs in the first place. Yeah. And I would love to radically restructure our society. So that's not the case. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I read a long, long time ago that, uh, in the 60s, people were saying jobs are a trick of the man. The man tricked you into – this is in the 60s, people talking like this, that the man tricked you into having a job. It's bullshit. You don't need one. And the, at the very most, if you wanted to have nicer things, then you can work two or three days a week. There's no reason you need to be working 40. 40 is like the minimum now, and that's fucking insane. Like mm -hmm. I am, I am blessed right now because of the VFFs and because of everyone who's um, like, I I'm working, I'm working repeated now. And I, and I feel like I can, I'm working instead of enriching some asshole, I'm working to, to give some kind of, you know, at least ostensibly some kind of goal, right? Like some kind of greater good that I'm working for. Like I'm working for this nebulous idea now, rather than like trying to enrich somebody like Ingrid Newkirk makes $35,000 a year. That's what her paycheck says on it, right? That's all public and you can go check it out. She makes like one of the lowest amounts of any CEO of a, of a nonprofit org. So I'm not working to enrich her. I'm working to like further this organization to do, to try to do good. And God damn it. That's a good feeling, you know, and oh, how many people can say that? Yeah, because it's when you're doing work that you would be doing anyway, it's not a job. It's a it's a purpose. It's a it's what you're driven to do. And me saying that, like, oh, people don't shouldn't have jobs, that doesn't mean that we're gonna stop being productive as a society. Yeah. Like, I don't want a job, but I'm still gonna make puppets because I love doing it, and that's still gonna add to society in a tangible way. You know, there's still and gonna be doctors who wanna help right. people. And there will still be people to pour you coffee because there's still going to be there's still going to be somebody who wants to do that job for a little extra something, some, you know what I mean? I'm not saying you, you, you just pull the wheels off that. But this idea that someone needs to be serving other people coffee 40 to 50 to 60 hours a week just to pay rent is it's so offensive. Just saying it out loud sounds insane. It yeah. sounds completely uh, uh, diabolical. That someone would have yeah. to pour someone else coffee 60 hours a week so that they can make rent. Like, that's yeah. fucking insane. Yeah. 
you know, the, yeah. the term of the term rat race applies, you know, it's like, yeah, that's really what's going on. We're just these animals who are, who are, you know, going from one place to another. I got to drink my coffee. You know, I got to, got to get my food. Oh, I got, I got to show up at work on time. So my, I don't think my boss upset. And it's like, what's so life? My boss, cause my boss, cause I'm my boss's side hustle. Like I, I've loved that thing too. Like every, your job is somebody else's side hustle. Your, your job is somebody else's passive income because you're, they're paying you to do something that makes them money. And yeah, they just I work yeah, yeah, I work at a publicly traded company with yeah. shareholders that are paid dividends. And every time I look at those dividends, I'm like, that's just money that is not going to the employees who are actually creating the value here. Yeah, the people, yeah, you're somebody's side hustle. That's what you are. Yeah. Vegan Vans asked a question, uh did Sky drive the van? No, so here's what happened. I'm actually driving the van late. Uh the deal, here's what happened. Um rather than fly back to Norfolk and back to California, like drive back to Norfolk, then drive back, then fly back to California, then fly back to Norfolk a few days later. I asked them, would it be okay if I just kept the truck for a little while and I'll drive and I'll drive back to Norfolk on Thanksgiving? And it kind of sucks because I'm not going to be good. But Karina's like parent, her, I think her dad and her sister both are born on Thanksgiving mm. or like the day after. So it's, she's not going to celebrate Thanksgiving with me anyway. So I'd rather just spend the time with her now, drive to Norfolk switch trucks and then be on the chick the the hell on wheels chicken truck uh once i get there so i'm, I'm actually i'm actually delaying my trip by some days uh the first day joseph and justina made it to albuquerque albuquerque so wow, that's a long day 14 hours they drove wow yeah wow you know can, can we talk about something that might be a little bit of a, a tricky conversation Sure. Uh, so I was, uh, like I said, I'm on Reddit and I, I, there's a, there's a group that's for the hardcore vegans. Right. And uh, I'm in that group and someone makes a post about Thanksgiving mm -hmm. and uh, ev everybody in that post was talking about how evil Thanksgiving is. 50 million turkeys just for Thanksgiving. Well, but that wasn't their reason. It was, uh, and that is a reason, you know, for sure. But it's the, uh, the idea of, you know, what is this about? You know, we've got a genocide in our country. And, you know, the story we were told when we were children is, is when the pilgrims and the Indians came together. You know, that's what we were told as kids. But were you actually realize, told that? Because I, I remember hearing like, yeah, that's the I remember even as a little kid, they would tell me. Yeah. So the story is that they all they had a good Thanksgiving the first time, but uh, it didn't end well for the Indians. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't go like, you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, I got the total Disney version when I was a kid. You did? You know? Oh yeah, oh, that's wow. the the Native Americans taught the pilgrims how to do with all the farming and harvest. And that's then true. That part's they, true, right? And then they had a big meal together and they lived together in harmony. Was was that? What oh I was no, the last part is not no. the part. So it, I had the same version. <laughs> so yeah. I had the same thing where it was like the Indians taught the white people how to do everything because they were in a strange new world where they didn't understand shit. They had a decent, they had a, <laughs> a decent getting along in the beginning and had a big Thanksgiving for God and the Jesus and all that, and uh, they. They had exchange of ideas and then and then and then they killed the Indians. Of course. And as as adults, we we all know exactly what that genocide was in our country, exactly what we know in terms of the story that's even out there. It's I'm sure there's a million stories that we haven't heard, but we know about the Trail of Tears. We know what happened to the Lakota people and the people all over our country, right? Terrible, yeah. terrible stuff. Now, um, I, I felt bad when I saw that because for me, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday sky, but <laughs> it it's is? not like, yeah, oh, it is. I love it. And, and, but it's not like I go 
and, and think about the Native Americans and the pilgrims on Thanksgiving. Why I love Thanksgiving is because, number one, it's a time to, to show gratitude and to reflect on that, about the yeah. things that we're thankful for. That's and I think good. that that's an important thing. And number two, it's a time to get together with friends and have a meal together and just kind of communally do that thing. And honestly, I don't care if we call it Thanksgiving. I just like that day, you know? So, mm -hmm. so part of me is like, oh, no, don't don't, don't crap on my favorite holiday. And then the other part of me like really gets it and really understands and really empathizes. And I'm like, does that mean I have to quit Thanksgiving? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, am I, am I, am I, am I supporting genocide? If I, if I have a Thanksgiving party, I mean, can't you celebrate Columbus day and still and, and indigenous people's day the same day? Isn't that, can't, can't we have those two things that like, Hey, um, the whole Columbus thing, the Colombian exchange, you know, was so important for the entire world, but also really horrible for one giant population of the world. You know what I mean? Can't we say like, I don't know. Can't we? Yeah. Columbus Day is a little bit more tricky because Columbus was a real shit bag. And how Columbus <laughs> Day happened was based more on, you know, uh, after he was living, Italians wanted to have a hero. But isn't that uh, the same thing as Thanksgiving? After 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 many many years had passed, yeah. they wanted to have some kind of thanks, some kind of harvest festival holiday, like every other country. Every other country has a Thanksgiving. They just don't call it what we call. It. It's just not the same. It's like so maybe yeah, maybe I just need to start calling it something else. You know, maybe it's a uh, vegan giving or, or vegan thankful day or something. You know, Antidankfest in German I'm... they call it Antidankfest, which is like um, harvest thanking party yeah harvest yeah. thinking party like and that makes sense like give thanks for the harvest is the idea that's always it's and that's not new that's not i mean you know what i mean i feel like the americans just they wanted their version of the harvest day yeah yeah there, okay other countries have the same it's yeah. an important day it probably was a holiday before we labeled it as thanksgiving you're of right of course so yeah. we'll keep that I love That's the parade I mean. sky. I love watching the Rockettes in New York City, <laughs> kicking those legs up into the sky. The Macy's Thanksgiving Day yeah. Parade. <laughs> Honestly, last year I was watching the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade as I was preparing food, which I love so, to do. I start, I cook too. Did you too. grow up with, with this shit being so important in your family? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. big deal. We would all get together and have a big meal and watch football and the parade, and it was a thing. I got to drink wine as a kid. It was a thing. Um like my family, we had another family we would invite over for Thanksgiving. We'd switch every year. We'd go to one one of our houses, and one 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 family would do Christmas. The other family would do Thanksgiving, um, and so that was. They, I do have fond memories of those those days, but I don't think we did like. I didn't give a shit about the parade or any of that other. Because I'm on the West Coast, watching the Macy's parade was just like, why are they the balloons and the whole thing just seems so. For me, I grew up out there, so it's like, oh, this is my this is my home. Yeah, bit. I guess you're right. The snow and it's so cold everywhere. Out here, it's like it's such a beautiful day. Thanksgiving is always beautiful out here, you know. You so something to keep an eye out for the Thanksgiving Day parade is every year Sesame Street is prominently displayed in that parade. And what you're gonna see are feathered right. puppets at that parade. And I, you know, I talked about Sudi earlier in the show. We had a successful uh pressure campaign to get them to drop uh fur. I've yeah. been trying to encourage these more hardcore animal rights groups to go after Henson and Sesame for a minute. And I hope 
and pray that they will take it up. Because if we get a sustained pressure campaign for more than just me and you, like, honestly, I know there's a lot of people who support this, this Henson pressure campaign, but it's, it's sometimes lonely being the tip of the spear, if that makes sense. And, and I kind of wish there were like 10 other spears next to me that were just as, and not to say not to, you know, cause these other people are working on issues that are also important in our movement. And I, I love that. And I'm not going to criticize anybody for anything. If they're doing something, that's great. But I, I, I would love more people to be like, this is what we want to focus on. This is the one. It'd be nice to have more support. Yeah. I think I could totally agree with that. It's hard when it's like, I, I mean, I think about that all the time with, um, animal testing no one talks about it always seems like and 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 what's weird is that i want to talk about veganism and i want to talk about like because i do think that changing what people eat is probably the biggest thing that we could do like i still think that that's the biggest part <laughs> if, if we just oh, yeah. got to that yeah like, oh yeah that's the, that's the end goal right but i feel like that's the big one too like and so i i don't know I, I get what you mean, and I and I think that we need to be talking about these things to show, like, like to me, the Big Bird is dead is not even just just because not even just a stop Henson, but every step along the way is raising awareness about the exploitation of animals. Because every time I brought it up on the road, because I did talk about uh, Sesame Street a lot on the road, because I'd meet with vegan groups, and they'd say like, "Sky, how can I get more into activism?" I'm like, "Pick a fuck, I'm like, pick a campaign." You guys are students. <laughs> yeah. Pick a pick an issue and just hammer, just hammer on the one issue. I said, man, I got a friend. We're talking about Henson Company, and they're like, why? And I talk about it, and they're like, oh, I never thought about that every single time. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I, I think, and I think it's so important to bring awareness to the fact that these animals are being exploited for like fucking for nothing for frivolity. Yeah, you know. Can I can I make a shameful confession? Oh no. Yeah. So when I first started uh, to, because like I was a vegan for a long time who didn't know yeah. any other vegans because it's yeah. just like, and so I was living my life and just being a vegan person. And I got to a certain point where I was like, if I want help in this campaign, I need to be friends with other vegans and I need to reach out to the vegan community. And when I started on this thing, here's my shameful confession. What I really wanted to do was just get vegans to care about this feather and puppetry thing so I could hand it off to them. And so I could rest. Does that make sense? <laughs> so I can step aside and be like, so I can literally just go cry in a closet. Honestly, is how I felt. Um, and the more, the more I'm doing it, the more I'm realizing that like, you know, the idea of being the tip of the spear, nobody else is going to be the tip of the spear. Nobody else cares about this issue as much as I do. Cause I'm a professional puppeteer. I was in that world, working in that world. I have a personal attachment to it. Unlike a lot of other people. And, um, and it's really been cool because it's made me grow up a little bit. And I'm like, no, you're not going to hand this off to somebody else who's going to handle it. You have to be the one. And, uh, and I yeah. think that's, that's actually kind of inspiring. And I hope other people can look and, and find like, now I don't want to inspire people necessarily. Like I love more people join the Henson campaign, but I'd love it even more if I could inspire people to be the one in their little, you know, niche, yeah. you know, their little esoteric world. Like, be the one in your world, you know, are you in IT and is there a thing in that world that you can change? Do that. 
Exactly. And that's when I say to students that are that are forming these clubs, I'm like, you're telling me there's nothing on this campus that pisses you off that you I mean, pick a pick a thing you want the chancellor to really know about it and then yell it over and over and over again until you get your way. And you've got three years to do it. You've got like, you, you know what I mean? Because they usually get into it as, as freshmen. I'm like, you got three years to nail this thing. Oh, yeah. And and if you don't, then you get the next batch to do it. Um, it's, it's, it's so cool. Cause they're like, we want to do screenings. We want to do like, all oh, that's awesome. And I think that like bringing, it's kind of like how I was thinking a lot about Lego. So Karina bought this Lego thing for this. I don't know. She has this little, it's this dumb, like Sanrio dog that she, and so she opens up this box of Legos and she's like, this is too hard. And I'm like, and, so she, and she just leaves it on the, on the table. So this morning, <laughs> I'm <laughs> So this morning I built it. I built this little dog thing uh, while I was having my coffee and thinking about life. And um, and I thought, you know, like every little piece, you, every little piece is so important. Every little piece without one piece of this thing, the whole the whole the whole work is gone. Right. And you need every little activist to do their little part in order to build the whole and I started just thinking about like how important everybody's little part is. And everyone thinks, oh, all I can do is like, like all I can do is my, I don't know. Like all I can do is accounting. All I can do is IT. All I can do is whatever. And that's important. We need an IT guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We need IT people. We need writers. We need uh, everything. We need accountants. We need those people for the movement. And sometimes we just need warm bodies, you know, sometimes just showing sometimes up and standing that. there is, is exactly what needs to be done. <laughs> pom, pom, I don't know. Pom, pom, purin is the name of the dog, apparently. And she didn't play with Legos as a kid. So she just <laughs> empties the box onto the table and leaves it there. <laughs> like, but you know what? She gave you a gift. Because what did you get to do this morning? A meditative little practice where you got to think about well, each of us activists is sounding like these Lego blocks. Yes, each activist is a little Lego. Yes, exactly right. That's that's what I was thinking. And um, yeah, I thought that I tried to look at ChatGPT today while you were talking, and it's not it's not working for me. So I started I using, but it made me use Bard, and Bard seems to work fantastic as well. So yeah, I'm using Bard now. I guess I'm a Bard user now. So something funny happens with ChatGPT, right? So the cool thing about GPT right now is it's a chat bot, so you can talk to it and have ideas, right? But then also it's able to create images. So what it can do is it can actually help you ideate images. So Well, your because you have the newest one. I don't have Yeah, that. so I pay $20 a month for like the, the pro version or whatever. And for me, I, it's because I use it so much for activism. I'm like, all right, I can, I can justify that cost. Yeah. You know, I can, I work, I can afford that. Um, yeah. And so the, um, oh shoot, what was I on about? Oh yeah. Uh, it can make, make images. images. Yeah. It can ideate images. And what it did is, um, sometimes I'll ask it, I'll, I wanted to find an image of Vistopia. I was like, can you show me what Vistopia looks like? And it was like, well, we could have an image of, a, of someone standing in a crowd and everybody around them is doing harmful things to animals. And they're just kind of standing there like terrified in the middle, distressed, you know, looking distressed because everybody's eating burgers. And I was like, great, let's, let's make that image. And it, it said creating image and the little wheel started to go around. And then it said, boop, error. Sorry, we can't create that image because it tripped our content filter. Yeah. And I was like, what? And that was not cool. And they're like, well, showing someone being distressed in a crowd is a potentially uh, harmful image. So we're not going to be able what? to show that. And I'm like, you're the one who pitched me that idea. 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah. even, and so and it's a, a lot of the, and it's, it's funny too, because a lot of the times um, you'll be like, show me an image of what happens in animal agriculture, mm-hmm. at, you know, in a slaughterhouse or something. And they'll be like, sorry, we can't show you that because it trips our content filter. And I'm like, of course it trips your content filter because it's something yeah. that's terrible that we shouldn't be doing yet. It's accepted by us. So it's like, Oftentimes, uh, people on Instagram will get into trouble because they'll post like a photo of like an animal in a slaughterhouse, right? And so, yeah. you know, but then nobody ever gets in trouble for posting a photo of a cheeseburger. And so the, what we have are, is this, this dream world that we're living in that's being reinforced by these content filters. And it's like, of course, people don't understand the source of where their food comes from. We can't even be honest about Not it. Not allowed to, right. Yeah. Um, because so you have to, because yeah. you have to lie about it over and over again. I saw this thing with Tash Peterson today, where she's getting like she, you know, like <laughs> typical Tash Tash Peterson video, where someone's like trying to tackle her, like shut up, Tash Peterson, and she because she's at a r- restaurant, she's saying I'm being abused. If I were talking about dogs, you'd be calling me a hero. And uh, there you are eating animals, and you think it's okay. And she's and this woman's like, my kids are trying to eat. How dare you? And she's like, you're lying to your kids. You're abusing, you're, you're feeding your children and animal abuse. And I feel like that's what, what a strange interaction that, um, that I want to go on feeding my children abuse, but I don't want you to tell them the truth about what it is. There's no, it's not saying that she's, the mother's not calling Tash a liar. She's just saying she doesn't want her kids knowing. Yeah. She wants she wants she wants Tash to be complicit in the lie. Isn't this that strange? To, this happened to Fanny this week. So Fanny was walking Faye, our dog, and she yeah. ran into a family with a mother and a young daughter, right? And the uh the young daughter is talking to Fanny about Faye, about our dog, and and Fanny says, Oh yeah, we got her from a shelter. And the little girl goes, What's a shelter? And Fanny goes, oh, that's a place where people bring animals if they don't want the animals anymore. And the little girl's like, why wouldn't they want an animal anymore? And Fanny's just like, well, sometimes people don't want to keep their dog for reasons, right? And that's all she said. And the mother looked at Fanny and was like, thanks. Now I'm going to have to explain that to my kid. And it's like, well, that's yeah. That's your fucking job. Yeah, that's you're your a parent. Job. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What? How long were you going to let your kid go just not knowing about what the world is? This is always like, this is the same thing when they were talking to about gay marriage back in the day. They're like, oh, I don't want my kids knowing about gays in school because then they're going to come home with questions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be asking questions. That's mm-hmm. what kids are supposed to do. And you're supposed to try to answer them. And if you can't, that's what school's for. Like that's. A... Yeah. God damn it. it. The world is an uncomfortable place and there are going to be uncomfortable things you're going to have to talk about. You know, I remember I worked at a school for a long time and this was probably in like 2011. Right. And there was a little boy who came up to me. He was like six years old and it was the beginning of the school year. And he said, "Uh, hey, Jess. And I said, yeah. He's like, can you tell me everything you know about (laughs) 9-11? What? Yeah. Well, Everything because it was you know. well because it was nine. It was nine eleven that day, and he'd oh. been hearing all about it, but nobody would tell him what it is. So I told him. He was six years old, and I was like, "Well, you know, there were a lot of people who who didn't like uh, other people, and so they took airplanes and they crashed them into buildings uh, because they were angry at the United States for you know some wars that we were." And I, I did <laughs> I did like a kid version of it because they were angry at us for our freedom. Yeah. 
And he just looked at me and he was like, oh, remember George W. Okay. Bush? They hate us. They hate us for our freedom. Remember that shit? But, oh, yeah. But the kid, he just looked at me and was like, okay. And then he went back and started playing. And it's like, sometimes you just got to tell the simple truth about something and they can handle it. You know, they're people. I mean, Everything's I how, It's not that hard, right? Some people hate America. So they, for various reasons. So they attacked us and then we, and then we entered into 20 years of war because of it like mm -hmm. i think that's an important little part of it because i've been thinking about 9-11 quite a bit because there's a country in the middle east that just experienced their 9-11 where they they experienced a horrible terrorist attack and now they are fighting with that country uh um, a disproportionate reaction and in they're fighting with the country that attacked them uh who are harboring those terrorists in fact run by those terrorists uh, their government is, is is run by those terrorists and so we're in the same situation again where like somebody attacked a very powerful country and that powerful country is going to stomp the shit out of them for maybe 20 years. It might go on for 20 years. This is why when people like where, 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 huh? I mean, it has been going. You remember in the early two thousands, we had a series of bus bombings that were happening in Israel and it was the Palestinians that were doing it. And you know, it's, it's just this constant same story. But what happens when a country is then going to be truly occupied, like what happened in Afghanistan? Because that's what I think is going to happen. I don't think the, the language coming out of Israel right now is exactly like the language that came out of the United States during our wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Unjust wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, wars that at the time I was against, at the time I was like, don't, we should not be doing this. And yet what they were saying was we have to, we have to kill them over there. So they don't kill us over here. And we need the terrorism needs to stop. And this is the only way that's what they kept saying. And so it's, it's the same, it's the same movie again. Mm -hmm. It's just smaller, smaller, but smaller populations. Yeah. But it's going to end the same way. It's going to end the same way where 20 years later, they'll back out of Palestine because it's a ridiculous idea to try to occupy another country. And then and then it'll be back. We'll be back to where we are today. It'll be the same thing all over again. So in the Middle East, in all sorts of different ideas, a lot of people always say this is not possible or that's yeah. not possible. And it's interesting for, for me because oftentimes like – I'm not going to say I'm more creative than other people or whatever, mm -hmm. but oftentimes I'm like, when someone says that's not possible, that's never going to happen. I'm like, I just start thinking of ways that it possibly could. Does that make yeah. sense? Well, and I'm just, history shows yeah. us that the impossible is possible all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. You know, when the right, when the Wright brothers wanted to patent the airplane, the patent office was already closed. They're like, everything's been invented. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine they're like, no, we invented a flying machine. And they're like, no, nah. mm -mm. everything's already been invented. You see. Yep. Sorry, guys. Sorry. You can't patent the, the plane, the airplane, because the patent office, there's no such thing anymore. Yeah. And now ever since we've had, you know, things are patented all the time. Of course, we're going to keep inventing things and new things that seem impossible. Will be so possible. that's why, like, when I was having the conversation with the person online about animal abuse being inherent in animal agriculture, when I asked them for examples of how it wasn't, I was sincerely asking because mm. I feel like I have a creative enough, creative enough mind that it's like, well, maybe maybe there's a way. If you can show me and tell me how, then then maybe I'll agree with you. I haven't seen it yet. You like know humane I mean? slaughter is humane slaughter possible? Tell I, I me don't how. think so. I don't think so. Exactly. You know. So it's it's oftentimes people just say no, no, no. Like I got into this with a guns debate because I think that we need to ban guns in America. 
semi-automatic mm. guns we need to ban and people will say that's not possible that's never going to happen and i'm like you're just not thinking creatively enough because anything can happen anything can happen i don't know the the banning of guns of all guns right all semi-automatics that's what i think needs to happen all semi-automatic weapon right? mm -hmm. wow yeah it's big it's a big ask uh yeah well the reason why i, I the reason why because i because I, I honestly i don't know if i I don't know, man. You don't have to agree either. Like it's a controversial. Like I don't know thing. if I don't know if I agree is the thing. I don't know yeah. if I do because yeah. like I'm not sure. Because there's a piece of me that's a little anarchist, and a little piece of me wants to be like, well, if they start coming for me, <laughs> you know, if mm -hmm. they start coming for big mouth vegans, then maybe I'm gonna wish that we had, you know, like. I don't trust the police. Like, I don't oh, think. No, no. The, yeah. And the police I, are the only. I don't trust the I police. Mean? But if I'm ever in a situation where or I feel like I have to be using my gun against the military or the, the police or the government, like, yeah, then I'd rather just stand there and get shot and killed because that's what's going to happen anyway. Probably. I don't know. I think I'd rather go down shooting. I guess like. I, I, I don't know, like, because you know that the line that uh, people gun nuts will always say that if you make guns illegal, only criminals will have guns. I'm like, that ship has sailed. Only criminals have guns anyway. Everyone who has a gun right now seems to be a criminal to me. I never I never meet very reasonable people who have like semi-automatic, uh, like the real, real, the real problem, like handguns and stuff like that, you know, like, yeah, usually yeah. those people. Like, because they're cops, <laughs> they're who are cr mostly mostly criminals in my mind. You have, uh, you know, pawn shop owners. <laughs> yeah, you hunters. See, I, These I are all do, criminals. You know, I I I do take issue with that because I do think that there's a lot of people out there who are quote unquote good people with good intentions with guns who are never going to use their gun in a way that would be harmful or bad, right? But the problem is, is we. In allowing those people to be able to have those firearms, we also open up the door to everybody else to be able to have the firearms. And the reason that they feel like they need it oftentimes is because they're afraid of someone else coming at them with a gun. And it's like, don't you understand that if you say, no, I'm putting mine down, then it's going to be easier to take it away from the criminals. And then, you know, like in Europe right now, if someone does have a gun, they are a criminal. You know what I mean? It's like, you know that they're a criminal because they have a gun. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I feel about, like, in Germany, they just have tight regulation. And I feel like a very a very tight regulative uh, regulatory system for guns, a well-regulated militia, if you yeah. will. Uh, I think that it should be so ex just extremely regulated. I don't know about a, a all-out ban. Oh, I don't know. But I, guess I, I think... also spend a lot of time in Belgium and that's essentially what they've got over there. And it's, uh, it's a much, you know, it's more nuanced than that, but you can't just go out and buy a gun. Like you, like this afternoon, I could go and get a gun if I wanted here. Well, yeah, you could buy, yeah. And, or, and if you can't find it here, you can drive one state over and get whatever gun you want. Like that's, yeah. that to me is like the real crazy part. Like federal, the federal restrictions are just non-existent. So like, like in California, you can't have an extended clip. So you can't have, one of those you can't have a handgun that just never stops shooting right but you can go to arizona and buy that drum right that, that you just put onto your and then just just keep shooting it holds like 50 rounds or some shit and just keep going and then you can even buy a, a modification so that you can just like do this and the and the trigger just 
I mean, bump stock. That's what they used in. That's what he used in Vegas. That's the semi. That's the automatic. That's the rifle, right? Like, mm. but there's there's even like a little crank, a little crank device. That oh, yeah. a handgun. Yeah. And it just goes, just keep shooting. I mean, you could do that all by just going to the state over. And that's just insane. I mean, obviously, what we have is not the, it's not the business, right? We're not, we ain't got it. We ain't got it. I think Germany, they kind of got it. They got like, you could have a gun, but you got to join a club. And in that club, you're going to learn how to use it, how to learn how safety. And then we're going to know who's got all the guns. You know, we're going to know who's got what. And so if it falls in the wrong hands, we kind of track where it all came from, figure it out. And it's easier to solve crimes. It's easier to Mm -hmm. figure out who, you know, solve violent crimes. It's easier because we know who has the guns. Like, I don't know. It seems reasonable to me that way, you know? Yeah. So for anybody who wants to learn more about this issue, there's a study that I would recommend. If you Google Harvard gun study, you're going to find it. It's by a guy named David Hemingway, uh, who's a Harvard researcher. And uh, it's an epidemiological study. So epidemiology is the study of public health and diseases. And what they do is they treat gun violence as a um, as a public health issue. And it's a really interesting uh, perspective that, that I personally agree with. And I would recommend Google Harvard gun study and let me know what you think, because they do have some pretty interesting uh, conclusions there. Yeah, they have to do it that way because the CDC isn't allowed to investigate the uh, gun. You know what I mean? Why yeah. isn't the attorney? Why isn't the Surgeon General and the CDC investigating these things? We should. It is a public health issue, and it's unbelievable that we're just like we just allow it to happen. It's insane to me. People can walk into schools and do horrible things, and we just keep we continue to allow it. Like when mm-hmm. when is enough enough? You know? Yeah. I mean, I lived in Vegas during that bump stock. That was the big bump stock where everyone learned what a bump stock was. And it was one of the worst things that I've ever experienced in my life. And it's, it's, that's not going away. That's just going to be part of my life now that somebody one day down the block from my house shot 60 people, you know, killed 60 people, shot a lot more than that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But anyway, sorry to, um, yeah, I'm not trying to be pedantic. No, you're totally right. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous (laughs) and, and horrible. Um, yeah, it's it's rough. Uh, equivocator. I love the I love the word of the day. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I figured I should find one. How do you do your word of the day? Do you choose the word, or do you, or is there a word I of the day? Webster. Thing? I okay. use Webster's word of the day. I used to I used to do like um, wordsmith, but those words are too. Because I do a couple words of the day personally, and they're usually like far more esoteric and harder to use. But the ones on Webster are like pretty accessible and we can use them in activism. I'm trying to use words that we can actually use in activism. You know, the cool thing about learning a new word is oftentimes what you're doing is learning a new idea with that word. Um, because if oftentimes in, in our society, in our world, if we don't have a word for something, we don't understand that thing. Like German's great about this. Like German has a, a word called Augenblick. Do you know Augenblick? Yeah. So it means in the blink of an eye, it's something that happens so fast. Yeah. Um, and it's really cool, you know, because that's obviously a concept that like people understand, but uh, it's, I, I studied this a little bit when, when we have a word for something, then it helps us also conceptualize that idea. And if we don't have a word for it, it's difficult for us to conceptualize that idea. I think carnist is a really good example of a relatively new word that we have. Uh, for example, uh, let's, let's go to something more like cisgendered is another example of that. Like I, I, in my whole life, I never thought that like, oh, I'm cisgendered, but I am. And that's a thing. And now that I know that word, it helps me to be able to conceptualize trans issues in a much more, uh, a whole, whole way. Yeah. This tr- cisgender, I mean, cause we also have just straight 
right? That's basically straight. Well, you know, straight you know. is about your sexuality. So you can be a cisgendered gay person. Right. But straight also means like non-queer. And since uh since you're not queer you're not going to be you're just kind of straight and same you're normal i guess normal. It would be the, yeah like you're not supposed to call it normal because all of us are normal but the, you know what i mean you're within this realm of this bell you're in this this tighter bell curve right you're in the you're in the the two standard deviations right you're right there if you ever took statistics it's all about standard deviation from the median right like you're you're one standard deviation away or something like that yeah. to be to be considered straight and then everything else is kind of more on the spectrum you know i i, I don't know i cisgendered i think speciesism is a good one that we're that we're yeah. using yeah. um yeah it's it's interesting i like this idea of the new new words and terms to to give you new well, ideas when i was working at an elementary school this was about this is over 10 years ago now but it was before the word carnism was in my vocabulary it wasn't yet on my radar and it, it was a word that was out there but anyway i was dealing with an issue at the school because what was happening is it was an elementary school and they were teaching carnist ideas to the kids and they they weren't aware of that because it is the dominant you know uh, ideology in our society. Oftentimes we don't realize that what's the dominant ideology is an ideology. We just consider mm -hmm. it normal. And so right. I had to, I was talking to the administrators at the school, and they were like, "Well, we can't we can't teach kids to be vegan because we're not we're not about you know teaching." stuff like that here. And I was like, well, what you need to understand is you already are teaching them mm -hmm. a way of doing things. Like you can't, unless you just choose to not talk about food, you're going to be, you know, teaching what you're doing right now is teaching, teaching them an ideology. And yeah. I wish I had had the word carnism back then because it would have been so helpful to be like, this is the name of the ideology that you're teaching. And let's look at it and see how it's defined. Yeah. yeah. I guess that's what Melanie joy gave us, right. Is this, this, turning it on its head this is the ideology veganism is the lack of an ideology is the the fighting against an ideology mm -hmm. and but i don't know i i i think carnism sometimes bothers me because it's like it's we have speciesism you know what i mean like it's cultural speciesism is the is what carnism is in a way and carnism it's, kind of focuses on just food system and it's so I, much more than that I think they're related, but there's a slight distinction there in that speciesism describes like, well, I'm going to eat a, uh, a pig, but not a dog, right? So it's, Or a pig instead of a human. It's human supremacy. Exactly. Yeah. But carnism is the idea that it's okay to be using these animals in the first place at all, you know? So you can be a speciesist who is also a carn... You can be a speciesist... Oh, fuck, I don't know. See, maybe, I, think speciesist right, is, yeah. I think speciesist is more about using an animal because it's a different species than you are. Yeah. And, you know, picking and choosing which species are usable and which are not, which ones are means and not ends. But uh, carnism is all about which animals we eat. And I think that there's a that's because carnism in in carnism is carnism is about diet. And that's something that where I kind of am reluctant. Like, I, I like using carny as a slur, you know that, but like. I'm a little reluctant to use carnism very frequently. I, I prefer speciesism mm -hmm. because to me, that's the pervasive evil ideology that I'm fighting against. Do you know what I mean? So is Not speciesism what stands as the opposite of veganism? I think so. Okay. 
Because oftentimes when, when we're online, when we're having discussions, we don't see it very much here, but oftentimes vegan communities will refer to the opposite of vegans as omnis or omnivores. Yeah, and I that, hate that. I, I hate that too, because omnivore is a biological distinction. It's and also humans, just a diet. It's, 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 well, it's, it's not even just, uh, so right. it can be a you're diet, right, you're right, you're right, you're right. but it's like, yeah, yeah. So when we're, when we're a vegan person, we are still biologically omnivores, which means that we can get nutrition from a wide variety of food sources, from almost uh, yeah. but the opposite of veganism is a philosophy. Being an omnivore is not a philosophy. You know what I mean? Being a speciesist or being a carnist, that is more likely to be the opposite of veganism in, in terms of how, what, what I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I think just, I just think like, when you know, we're splitting hairs at the end of the day. But I really when it comes down to like carnism, the reason why I prefer to use the word speciesism is because I really feel like that's the that's the overwhelming cultural problem. And that carnism is just about who we eat. And it, it that's not enough for me. Although. I do like to focus on, I do like to focus on the vegan diet. I still like, I'm, I just, uh, I'm technically still on tour with the, um, anti-vivisection. So, you know what I mean? Anti-vivisection, carnism isn't really the problem. It's speciesism. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, I... what do you, well, um, what, what, what's the, what's your next, uh, are you are you doing any kind of what's what's what kind of activism what's going on with uh kindness town what's the next thing what's 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 on the horizon what's next besides so, besides doing the show every day this week yeah uh so kindness town is still happening we're still we're doing fundraising for that right now if you all want to help uh donate to our cause check out jess mckay puppets or kindness town on instagram and there's a link in the bio there where you can help support our project uh we're, we're asking for a modest amount in terms of creating a short film that's going to have an impact uh, so right now we're building sets where we're, we've got the set designed and the next, the next big step is, is building that set. Uh, it's a big undertaking cause I'm trying to do it in a, in a good way that is going to be, uh, that people are going to see it and be like, wow, that's, that looks professional. That looks good. And doing that by yourself, essentially there's other people helping me, but I I'm, I'm doing a lot of the work on my own here. It takes a lot of time in terms of our pressure campaign. We've still got the pressure campaign going against Henson and Sesame street. Um, send me a private message if you want to know what you can do to help about that, because I'm starting to realize that keeping it a little bit secret is to our advantage we don't want them to see us coming so uh yeah yeah did you know like i i didn't really know that this was a problem but people so not to get too into the weeds about dxe but they have had problems with people kind of defecting in the past let's call it and those people for for whatever i'm not i'm not demonizing those people who have left for various reasons let's just put it that way because some people are victims in of the dxc uh dxc is not they they don't represent veganism so if you are a vegan who's not all about dxc that's fine yeah i guess i don't want to i don't want to talk shit on dxc but i also don't want to victim shame so it's kind of hard to like there's people who are saying that they were abused in dxc they left and some of those people who left or were pushed out because of their whistleblowing let's call it they called the police on actions so they would call the police on actions that they knew were going to transpire and i'm like god damn that's rough like that's yeah. something that i wouldn't want to like that's, that's some benedict so... arnold type stuff right oh, there oh man that's rough yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because it's like, what's your goal? Like, even if you like, listen, 
I'm not a DXE devotee. I disagree with a lot of what they do and how they do it. And I think that they are willful purveyors of misinformation. And I can get more into that. Uh, but because of that, I don't really support DXE 100%. But I'm not going to go out there and call the cops on them because they're out there doing good work still. You know what I mean? I might disagree with some of their tactics, but I still agree with their goal. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like I, I like DXE. I, I think that I question some of their methods. I, I, I don't know that what they're doing is the, it's certainly one of the most interesting things to happen in animal, in the animal rights movement, this mm -hmm. whole idea of like challenging the courts and trying to have the, the trial itself, the trial be the action. That's mm -hmm. an interesting idea that the trial itself is the action. Everything else before that is just trying to get a trial. So you can mm -hmm. enter into public record what <laughs> what the issues. So you try to get legal precedent. It's yeah. such an interesting tactic, but it's also so, a welfareist. So yeah, well, so so this person calling and tattling on DXE brings me back to the idea of something called security culture, which we've talked about on this show before. Yeah. And it doesn't mean a lack of trust, but what it does mean is you don't even want there to be a possible leak in the boat. You yeah. know. So if, if you're going to like, for example, my friend who, or our friend who went off and did that PETA action the day before she left, she's like, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow and I'm doing something fun for the animals. Mm -hmm. And, and someone who I was with was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I, I knew not even to ask, but she said, she said, you know what? I, because of security culture, I can't tell you. And it's not because she doesn't trust us, but it's because it's just like, no, we're going to keep our lips sealed until we do the thing to keep everybody safe. And I think it's important yeah. in our vegan movements to, to, to maintain uh, security culture, especially when we're going to be doing actions. Yeah, even for my thing, Peter was like, "Don't tell people exactly where you're going to be. Don't tell them like, because even on the show, I'd be like, well, we're we're headed to these schools,' and the people are like, well, what is the date you're going to be? And I'm like, I'm not going to really. I, I try to talk about it in vague terms. You know, I'm going to be over here next, and I'm going to be in this. But it, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm sure there were some friends of the show that DM'd you and you were able to be like, yeah, meet me here yeah, at this time. But course, that's different yeah. than just publicly making a statement about Yeah. Right. Other activists, which is exactly what DXE will do. They'll like vet people. You'll have to be fully vetted before you um, kind of are in on their little uh, culty membership club. You know, they're, they're very. Uh, so I'm convinced convinced that somewhere out there on Instagram, I follow someone and they follow me back. Who's not a legitimate animal rights activist. They are working for the FBI or something like that. Just keeping an eye on our movement. And I'm convinced of that because I know that they have these, these, like these, uh, what's the right word, these moles or whatever that they send into groups like ours. So yeah. the question for me is like, how do we vet someone? You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. that's a big question too. You know, it's, it's like, I feel like I've got some legit, like, listen, you look at me, you can see Jess is a professional puppeteer who's obsessed with getting feathers out of his industry. It's mm -hmm. probably unlikely that I'm going to be also like working for the a FBI as a mole, if that makes sense. Right. Um, so yeah. you really, and I'm not just, I'm, oh, I'm using myself and you sky, you do a vegan show every morning and you, I've talked with you about these issues and I know that in your heart, you really care about this stuff. But you, yeah, and I also work for a company that is <laughs> for, an, for an NGO that's doing, you know, there's all sorts of things that like you have to, 
you kind of have to get vetted. You just have to get, you have to vet who you're talking to about certain things. But even with you, when, when we did that, uh, Atlanta action, I told you something was happening, but I didn't tell you exactly what until right after it happened. And it's not because yeah. I don't trust you. It's just because it's like, well, that's security culture. We're going to, we're going to keep it. <laughs> we're going to keep that a tight ship. Yeah. I mean, I knew what city it was in basically, but I didn't yeah. know what was happening. And that's exactly, you know, I don't, I don't think that anyone should be kind of like, and I'm used to that stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've had that happen before where people are like, well, I can't tell you know who about, you know, what let's, let's keep it under wraps before, you know, who knows about, you know, what that's how it is. They definitely need help. Like, oh, Carnus. Um, for a few, you can be a carnist, but not a speciesist at the same time. You can be a carnist, but not a speciesist at the same time. So you can be like, I eat, I'm an equal opportunity eater. <laughs> all right. dogs, all would, I, I would eat humans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So creepy. What the hell is wrong with people? Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I am going to, uh, so for the, tomorrow we're going to see Christopher Blatch, right? He's going to come yeah, on the show. He's the, uh, SL Salt Lake city, uh, backyard barbecue guy. And then I'm not going to be here Wednesday or Thursday and, or Friday. I'll be on the road on Friday and Thursday, Thursday night. I think I'm leaving. And then I'm and then I'm off to the races. I'm off to the uh, so off to Norfolk. Just to remind everybody, tomorrow we've got Blatch's Barbecue on our show. Mm-hmm. On Wednesday we've got Monica of Feather Phase Out's going to be joining us. Thursday we're going to be talking about what we're thankful for with Ms. Fanny Pierre, also known as Fannyless on Instagram. And then on Friday we're going to have Scott from Comedy for the Animals. They're going to come Ooh. on and join us and tell us all about what they're doing here in Los Angeles to uh, to fight for the animals and make us laugh at the same time. I love that. My goal is to be able to just come in and do the affirmation at the would you Great. let me would you allow me to come in right at the very end and just do the affirmation? Guy, here's the secret. You're you're the boss around here. You're the one who's allowing me to be here. Okay? <laughs> you're the boss, applesauce. You're the boss right. now. Yeah. Boom. You're the you're the sauce boss now. I'm just I'm just here for the ride to see what uh see what we got. Can I do the affirmation? Do the affirmation. I'm ready to be affirmed. You're ready to be affirmed? Okay, here's <laughs> what we're gonna do. Let me see if I can do. Can I make use? Hey, uh, this is what I wanted to do. There, oh, affirmation. <laughs> you're smaller now. All right, here's the affirmation. This is your daily affirmation for vegans only. If you're not vegan, get the fuck out of here. What are you doing? GTFO, you're not supposed to be here. All right, but for the vegans, I am an important brick in the box. Every Lego set creates a cool work of art, but if just one piece is missing, the whole suffers and remains unfinished. You and I are part of a movement, and that movement requires each and every unique component or it's incomplete. I might be the tiniest piece in the box, but I'm just as important as every other little Lego. I am integral to the whole. That's your affirmation for vegans only. What do you think, Jess? All in all, you're just you another feel affirmed. Wall. I feel affirmed. <laughs> Good. All right. Then I'm, do you want to play the music and we'll get us out of here? I don't know how to do that. All right. I'm going to tell you. Okay. So on the right hand column, okay, you see it says brand. Brand. Click the brand. Okay. And oh, there it is. It says new, new opening. That's the one you hit. Here we go. It's so hard to not abuse animals. Carnies can fuck themselves. Go fuck, fuck themselves. This is a shot of all the weekends. For who? 
Are you going to do an outro like I do or no? Yeah, I'm going to do an outro. All right, then I'm going to take myself off. It happened. We did it. I made it through an entire show. That first half hour was a little bit dicey. I didn't know if I was going to land on my feet, but Sky swooped in and saved me. Now, make sure to join us all week right here, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. Maybe we're going to go late like we did today. Anyway, get out there, Veganeers. Have a wonderful day. And remember, you have the power to make the world a better place. So get out there and do it. And uh, remember, you're not alone. Thank you. All right.